0: Okay, so what book have we been studying for the last little while? First Chronicles, it happens to be the book that you're open to, hopefully. First Chronicles chapter 27. And what we're gonna do is actually just jump from this chapter into our study today. But I wanna just give a quick overview of, of the chapter, for, chapter, uh, first Chronicles quanti- 27. <laughs> Boy, we' better pray, huh um, and then we're gonna, we're gonna talk about deacons um and kind of what that looks like let let we should pray let's pray, and then we'll we'll dive right in, Lord, thank you so much for this morning for the praise team uh for the time and the, the practice that they put in just to to serve us to lead us in worship um it's a blessing I'm thankful for that group uh, thank you for the visitors, the people who are this is their first Sunday, the people for this is their, this is their first or second or third Sunday, um, we're just thankful for this whole group. Uh, I'm thankful to get to, to be here and uh, Lord, we do just ask that we wouldn't just hang out that this wouldn't be a time to just hang out, but it would be um, like I've heard prayed a couple of times this morning that this would be us hearing from you being challenged from your word, being encouraged from your word, uh, being taught, being instructed, being led by your word. Um, And so God, we surrender ourselves to you. We submit our minds and our hearts to you and just ask that you would uh, have your way, that you would lead us. And um, God, help me, help my mouth to not stumble through this whole thing and and help my mind to be focused and, and Lord, just... Like I said, surrender to you, God. We love you, and uh, we just pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, I do have an excuse for why I sound like a, a buffoon. I think I'm sick. At least Kylie says I'm sick. Um, not just sick with it, like my you know my jump shots on fire, but like I think I might be sick. I think uh, you know whatever something's going on. I feel terrible. You know, pray for me. Uh, but First Chronicles 27. Let's let's. Just overview it really quick. So verses 1 through 15. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read First Chronicles, 27 or, or the whole book, but in 27, 1 through 15, we see the men and the team who came to serve in the king's business each month. So there's 24,000 people who would come in every month. they would rotate through. There's a big, large group of people who would come and serve. And they did it on a rotation. Okay, and that's what we see 1 through 15. Then 16 through 22, you've got the princes over the tribes of Israel. So these guys who are kind of in charge or prince over these people groups. 23 to 24, we we um, we highlight on a story that we had studied. I think it was Philip who had preached that week um, when David had Joab number the people and it was against the Lord's direction. And then you've got... Um, the Lord gives David the choice, like, listen, man, you messed up big. And and so he, David got to choose his punishment. And the angel of the Lord is standing there, and it's terrifying, and it's bad. Uh, so they mention that again. And then verses 25 to 31, you see the men who were over the substance of the king, meaning like his vineyards and his gardens and his sheep and his all the things that the king owned. There were men who went and tended to that. And then the last chunk is the men who accompanied the king in various roles, so like his counselors and stuff you can read the chapter you can see some of that stuff it's a lot of names though Uh, but what it made me think of what we see is the people who served the king and his belongings and they were over the king's business so whatever the king had to do these were the guys who would help make it happen does that make sense they were the guys who helped make it happen. It's kind of like, I think of a, a principal at a school. A principal has all these initiatives and roles and jobs that they want to get done. And then the teachers and the staff and all the different people in that school work to get that accomplished. And they all submit to the principal, right? Make sense? Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty straightforward, pretty simple. But this month, okay, so this is this is what my mind went to this month. In October, um, I believe each year or every other year, Midtown is is now going to be opening up the nominations for the the men who will hold the office of a deacon. Okay, so I don't know if it's today or if it's another time this month. Um, I think it's I think it's today, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100. Sam is going to say, okay, um, he's probably going to teach a similar lesson. Like, here's what a deacon is. And then he's going to let you guys, you, and the rest of the church, nominate uh, who who we would like to see fulfilling the office of a deacon here at Midtown. So that's different. That's weird. The pastors, you guys don't nominate who you want to be a pastor. That's something decided by Sam and the pastors. But a deacon is absolutely selected by the church. It's the church that says, we want these guys. Um, and so you get to take part in that. So, our church will be opening up nominations, and we're gonna we're gonna put some guys in that office. But what is that? That's what I want to identify first. What the heck is a deacon? I mean, you've how many of you have heard of a deacon? How many of you are related to a deacon? Okay, all right, nice. Gavin's dad is the head deacon here at Midtown. He's uh, just gonna put him on blast there, but. His dad is the big dog deacon, so um, he probably knows a little bit about this. So let's look at what is a deacon. The word deacon just means attendant or a servant. It's someone who serves and helps. And the first um, instance that we're going to see here in the New Testament where a deacon is is selected and operating is from Acts. So if you would. Flipping your, your Bible to Acts chapter six verses one through seven, it'd probably be good to underline and take notes there um about about what we see a deacon is. But in Acts chapter six, as you're flipping there all two of you. Acts chapter six Acts 1-7 through 7 is what we're going to be looking at. We'll look at a couple a couple of verses here. It says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily minist- ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Okay, so... What's happening here is the church is growing, right? And something strange is happening in the church. Hebrews and, and Greek people are worshiping together. That's weird, right? The quote-unquote church at the time, or before, if, if you're talking about, if you're talking about um, the Jewish religion, it's not a whole lot of interracial... Hanging out. If you came to be a Jew, you were going to like identify as a Jew. You, you weren't going to be a, a Grecian, right? You became a A Jew, so to speak. But now you've got Grecians, you've got Jews, they're coming together. And what happened is these widows, these women who didn't have a husband to take care of them and needed the church to support them, all of a sudden, one group is saying, hey, we're not getting as much support as the other group. And they tell the apostles, and basically they're telling the the leaders over the church, it'd be like if someone went to Sam and said, Sam, Pastor Sam, um... This group of people is getting more support than we are. Would Pastor Sam, like let's say it was a financial thing. This, This group over here is getting more financial support from the Benevolence Fund than we are. Would Sam do anything about that? It's kind of a trick question. He's going to do something, but he's not going to get involved with the finances and stuff. He's going to say, hey, I hear you, go talk to Chris Miller. Let's let's get this figured out, but let's get Chris Miller involved so that he can manage it. Um, and so what they're doing is, they're saying, "Man, we need more. We need people to to oversight this situation." And so the the twelve called the multitude together, and they said, "It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." In other words, Sam should not leave his primary objective of studying the Word of God to feed us the Word of God in an effort to make sure that people have enough food on their tables. That's not his responsibility. His responsibility is this book, right? Does that make sense? So, key point one, the deacon works to allow for the pastors to attend unto the Word of God. The deacon works to allow for the pastors to attend unto the Word of God. That's their primary occupation, that's their primary goal is to to be about this book and get this book into the minds and hearts of the people. But there's obviously, as we see here, and as you probably recognize, if you've gone to church any length here you've you've recognized that there's more to this church thing than just Bible study, right? Many of you, or at least some of you, your family has probably benefited from the church um, in whatever way. Maybe you had someone pass away. Maybe you needed financial assistance. There's been several, several, several situations where that I've been involved in, at least, where families are being having needs met, and it's not just preaching and teaching. So, verse 3, Acts 6, verse 3 says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honor full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. So, these men, they're going to choose seven for a church of like several thousand. There's only seven deacons, which is kind of wild. Choose seven of them to come and and be over this business. So key point two, the deacon uh, is appointed over the business of the church. If you haven't heard that or seen that already from what we've, what we've seen or talked about so far. Well, there it is. The deacon is appointed over the business of the church. So I, I don't know if I could name all the areas. Um, Philip was a deacon. He had the office of deacon. He's got a, a plaque at home that says, You're a deacon. Um, and he was officially a deacon here at Midtown. How many of you, uh, Dan, have you been a deacon? At another church you have? Nate, were you ever a deacon? you asked me, but he was like, no, I ain't about that life. Okay. So yeah, they're put over the business of the church. So there is a financial uh, group. (laughs) What in the world? Uh, I don't know. A Roomba? The the little like robot vacuum. (laughs) It sounded like a, a, a remote control car. So, <laughs> going <back>. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so there's a financial deacon, or there's a guy who's over the, uh, you know, manages the finances, and there's different areas of finance and stuff. There's also like a physical property deacon. Like, who cuts the grass? Me. Pastor Sam doesn't roll up and cut the grass right? Somebody's got to do it. So there's deacons who are in charge of those different uh, physical, practical things that the church has to, has to function and, and, and do. Um, and so the deacon is appointed over that business. Um, and a deacon, as you see here, which we'll get into this a little more, is, is full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So just maybe a side point on that. So we're going to nominate deacons. So Ernesto's like, oh, sweet. Well, I'm going to nominate myself. Well, cute idea. You should do it just to see if you can get away with it. You won't. But, uh, you know, you can you nominate someone, but if they're not, A, full of the Holy Ghost, meaning they're not saved, well, they're not going to be a deacon. Like, you could come in and be, like, Kansas City's best business owner, and you better believe you will not be a deacon at Midtown, right? Now, if you get saved, prove yourself out a little bit. Well, then we have a spot for you, um, but you've got to be saved. And then the second one is they do have wisdom. Okay, so I'm not if I if I've never mowed my yard before, I probably should not be in charge of mowing the church's yard, right? It's got to fit. See what I mean? So when you're thinking about nominations, when we go in there, you want to you want to maybe connect some dots. But let's read the last four verses of chapter six. Uh, verses 4-7. through Here's what they said. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. These are the the leaders, the the apostles. And to the ministry of the Word. We're not going to do that business. We're going to pray and minister, minister the Word of God. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And so, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Puma, just kidding, and Parmen- Par- Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they sat before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, check this out, the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So they, they appoint... Deacons, And as a result of that, the Word of God grows and the ministry prospers. So key point number three is that the deacon allows the Word of God and the work of God to be spread. A deacon, while they may be cutting the grass, a deacon is facilitating ministry to happen because God has chosen pastors and He's chosen and gifted um, the, the, like the whole body. To profit itself. And so if I have to go cut the grass, but that allows Ernesto, so maybe Ernesto is not qualified to be a deacon yet, but if I am given the office of deacon, when I Ernesto, he can go reach out to a friend and lead him to the Lord. Because he doesn't have to worry about cutting the grass, because I got that. You see what I mean? We all carry the weight together, we all take care of the business so that so that ministry can happen. Does that make sense? How many of this is how many of you this is review for? You know this. Okay, good. Some some wavy hands. Good. We want to get a, we want to get a, a, a good understanding of it. So if Ernesto can't be a deacon because he's under 18, let's figure out who can. Alright? So maybe at some point Ernesto will be. I hope so. That'd be cool. Who becomes a deacon? If you would flip in your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Down at verse 8 through 13. We're just going to read a few verses here, get a takeaway, um, and then I'll ask you guys some questions. So, 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13, it says this Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Okay, let's pause really quick. So a deacon has to be grave. What's that mean? They gotta be dead and be stuck in a grave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. What does grave mean? Serious. Yeah, it's serious. It's like to have gravity. If grav- if you have gravity, it's pushing you down. You're not a crazy hyper moron, right? you you have some seriousness to you. You're a little more grounded, right? so grave not double-tongued what's that mean they're having a party over there what are we doing over here like honest. not double-tongued is honest right you're not saying one thing out of this side of your mouth and saying another thing out of this side of your mouth right you're speaking the truth you're you're saying the same thing did you just speak another language <laughs> you are speaking another language Yep. I was just saying names. What's Chinese? Um, not giving too much wine, so they're not a, they're not a drunk. They're not partying on the weekends. Not greedy, a filthy lucre. They're not out trying to earn a a penny, you know, and maybe in a dishonest way. They're not obsessing over uh, earning money. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. They're living out and holding on to to their faith, and they're doing it with purity, right? And let these also first be proved. So, they're proven, right? It's not somebody who's just showed up a couple weeks in. So Ernesto, by the time he's 18, well, he's going to be ready to go, right? Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. So their wives have qualifications as well. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses, well, for they that have used the office of a deacon, well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, basically what you see in all that, key point four, is that the deacon mirrors Christ in character. Right, You can see from 1 Timothy chapter 3, you get to see the, the, the characteristics of a godly man or woman of God. Specifically, the office of a bishop and the office of a deacon. And what we see from this deaconship is that this is a person who looks like Christ. Right? So you don't want somebody who's just kind of whimsical. Somebody who comes about 50-60% of the time to church services. You want somebody who's in it to win it. Right? So, let's draw some quick comparisons and then I'll ask you some questions and, and we'll shift gears here. The deacons serve at the King of Kings request, right? In other words, they answer to Sam. The deacons answer to Sam, to our head pastor. But more directly, they answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Chris Miller, for instance, he's... The head deacon and all of the deacons that he's over that he manages they answer to Sam. But they signed up for this gig, they said, Yes, I will be a deacon because they want to serve and give their lives in deaconship to the Lord Jesus, right? To the King of Kings. And so they work and serve to please Christ because they know him and love him and have personally given their lives to him. And the same thing was true of the men from 1 Chronicles 27. So they knew and loved and served their king at the time as well. They all loved David. They all knew him. They wanted to serve him. They wanted to give their lives of service. But I want to pose a few questions to you this morning. So, number one. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know the king? In other words... Have you believed on Him and accepted His sacrifice for your sin and confessed Him as your Lord and Savior? Have you done that? Do you know Jesus as your Lord? Like the deacons. The deacons here do. They know Jesus paid for their sins. They know. They love Him. They know Him. They want to serve Him. Because they've given their lives to Him. Number two, maybe you have, but maybe... Maybe you haven't, I don't know, been a friend. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal friend and brother? Are you walking with Him every day? Sharing your heart, your struggles, giving your affection to Him? Like I know that, man, sometimes students or people will get saved and they're like, man, Lord, thank you for, for dying for me, giving me salvation. Now I'm going to go do my thing. And it's like, wait, what? You're not even going to hang, like, you accept someone dying for you. They literally laid their life down for you. And then they want to know you and they want you to know them. And you're just going to do your own thing. So maybe that's you. Or maybe you're just in a season where you haven't been walking with God. You haven't been hanging with Him. You haven't been spending time with Him in the Word. You haven't been praying to Him. Maybe you have distance in your relationship with God. You're saved, but there's that distance. Kind of like we talked about in the question and answer last week. There's distance. Well, maybe this morning is, is the morning where you return to your fellowship with the Lord. And then lastly, do you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal King and Master? In other words, have you given yourself to the Lord to serve Him and submit to Him in all areas of your life? Because maybe you didn't know this. When you got saved, that means Jesus is your friend. He calls Himself your brother. But Jesus is also your Lord. He's your Master. He's your King. Whatever He says, you do. Whatever, he, whatever pleases Him is your responsibility, is my responsibility. And maybe we've gotten distance, distanced from that, from that mentality, from that idea. And this morning is, man, as we continue in our service here, but in the main service, I want to pose those questions and, and just ask you, man, where are you at? Do you know the Lord? Are you walking with Him? Are you submitted to Him? The deacons are, right? Right? If you look around they'll probably give a list of who the deacons are and you can go one by one and you'll be able to say yep okay that's what it looks like just making sense making sense okay a <clears throat> little bit short a little bit educational maybe um